Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever prayed and you've asked God for something and God said yes? He answered the prayer. Would you put a hand in the air? You've prayed before. That's pretty awesome. Go ahead, hold it up really high. Everybody look around, look around. Okay, we shouldn't be shocked. I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful, man, that we serve a God that hears prayers, that answers prayer, that we have experienced this in our life. It's amazing. So, I'm curious the other way. How many of you have ever prayed, you've asked God for something, and God said, nope. He said, uh-uh, nope, not today, Bubba, ain't happening. Let me see a hand. Okay, now look around, look around. It's like almost all the same people. We've all probably prayed a prayer, and hopefully God has answered it. But there have been times in our life where we have prayed something, we've meant it with all of our heart. And God said, not today, Bubba, no, not going to happen. Which is probably a good thing, because if you think about the totality of your life and all of the prayers that you have prayed, I guess if God would have given me every prayer I've ever prayed, Optimus Prime would be living with me at my house. I'd be going to high school with Peter Parker. I would be able to fly. (laughs) Think about some of the things that you've prayed. How many of you have ever prayed for that right boyfriend or girlfriend back in the day? Have you ever done one of those prayers, like a romantic prayer? God's in the right one. This is the right one. I know it is. This is your will. I was thinking about this, and my mind went back to the seventh grade. Can you imagine if God answered yes to every prayer you prayed in the seventh grade? This world would be falling apart. So the seventh grade, I had a crush on this girl named Megan. And man, I thought Megan was so pretty, and she's so funny, and she's so pretty, and she's, I haven't said smart or strong or anything. She's just pretty and fun. I mean, she's, she's great. So I was praying like, God, you know, I want to be boyfriend, girlfriend. We're going to get old, and we're going to be married, and, and I'm just praying, and I'm praying, and it reminded me as I'm thinking about this, my brain works strangely sometimes, and sometimes it goes to either movie quotes or scenes or music. And so I'm thinking about this, and this song comes from out of nowhere into my head, and it was by Garth Brooks. He did this old song called Unanswered Prayer. (laughs) Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. I do, especially when I was downstairs in the basement hanging out with my boys, Ethan and Levi, and Taylor, who's Levi's girlfriend, was there. I said, Taylor, help me find Megan on Facebook. Help me track her down. We did. We found Megan. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you brought Becky my way. I, woo. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. And actually right here, like, I don't know if you can see this, but Becky was proofreading my message a little bit, and she circled right here, stupid Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Becky knew Megan. <laughs> Becky took her out. No, I'm really. So God answers our prayers. So we are in this series, God of Miracles, and you're in a place that believes God answers prayer. 
You're in a place that believes that God hears our prayer and we are praying according to God's will. We have this confidence that God hears us. Now, it might not be every Optimus Prime Spider-Man prayer you ever pray that God says yes to, but there are some prayers that he does answer with a yes. So I want us to focus in, of course, on our topic, God of Miracles. So let's define it. Grab your communication card, grab a pen, and flip it over right on the top, right on the back. I want you to write this down. We're going to define a miracle. A miracle. Very simply, we could get more technical, but very simply, I'm going to define it this way. It's God's supernatural intervention in our lives. God stepping in. God taking our natural, putting his super in front of it, a little supernatural move of God, something that we can't create on our own. We can't do it on our own. We can't achieve it on our own. It's God moving according to his will on our behalf in some way, and we believe in a miracle-working God. So think about God and praying. We've already established. We've had some answered. We've had some, thankfully, not unanswered. But there are three basic truths I want to give you about praying and God moving and God answering. And I want us to think about this. Write it down. Here's the first one. Write this down. Fill in this blank. God does some things only in answer to prayer. In your life, there are some things that if you don't pray for it, it's not going to happen. God is waiting for this faith, this interaction, this request. It is a part of the relational dynamic. So there are some prayers that have to be asked. We've got to say, God, I want you to move in my life. I'm asking you to do this. Second thing, write it down. God does some things without anyone praying. Anyone praying. Students in the house, did anybody pray for God to create humanity or the world? He just did it. He just wanted to do it, so he did it. Sometimes in our life, God does things that we haven't prayed for, thought about, even considered, but God just does it because he wants to. Number three, you write this down. God does some things contrary to prayers made. Megan sometimes doesn't work out. Sometimes Optimus Prime does not materialize and drive you to school. There are some prayers that you can pray, and they might not be, I'm hoping that you're not praying like evil prayers. God, I pray that you would help my boss have a flat tire today. And I'm hoping we're not praying that, but there are some prayers that because of God's will and because of his nature and character, he's like, nah, that's going to be a no on that one. So to operate and create a framework in your life about prayer, it's good to think about these things. Now, I want to share a quote from author Henry Thiessen. And this is a fairly technical quote. So I want you to track with me, students and adults in the house. In his omniscience, now students, omniscience, that's a word that means God knows everything. There isn't anything that God doesn't know. He knows everything there is to know about everything. He just stands above knowledge. He knows everything. In his omniscience, God knowing everything, he has taken all of these things into account, the three things that we were talking about. Some things you have to pray for, 
Some things God just does. And sometimes God says no. And he does something else contrary to what I've prayed. He takes all of these things into account. And in his providence, he sovereignly works them. Sovereignly, students and adults. Sovereignty is God's ultimate power. He's sovereign. There is nobody that's the boss of him. He doesn't have to do anything because he's sovereign and all-powerful. It's an interesting theological word and concept. He sovereignly works them out in accordance with his own purpose and plan. If we do not pray for the things that we might get by prayer, we do not get them. That was our first point. If he wants some things done for which no one prays, he will do them without anyone praying, right? That was our second thing that we wrote down. If we pray for things contrary to his will, he refuses to grant them. And now really pay attention to the last sentence. Thus, there is perfect harmony between his purpose and providence and man's free will, freedom. The ability for all of us, students, adults, everybody in between, to choose. One of the most awesome, scary things that God has ever given. The ability to choose. What do we do with this freedom? So we're talking about God of miracles. We're trying to lay some groundwork. We're talking about his nature, talking about his character, talking about his sovereignty, how he's all-powerful, talking about his omniscience, how he knows everything. You can talk about another idea where God is everywhere all at the same time. He's omnipresent everywhere all at the same time. God is huge. We are small. God has a plan, and God wants us to be active and interactive with him about praying his will into existence. I want us to understand what Jesus is like. You know, is the Bible just a bunch of stories put together and it's all old and this is what God used to do and then that was it? Or is there something that's supposed to be carried over into today, right now, in your business, in your life, with your kids, with your attitude, with your worldview, or is it just some nice, powerful old stories that we read about? Could it be both? How do you see the Bible? How do you see Jesus? Let's see him by part of his New Testament resume. In the book of John, John is in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, new to God, the Bible is in two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament was before Jesus Christ comes to the earth. New Testament is when Jesus Christ comes to the earth and forward. So this book, John, was written as part of the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So John is writing about Jesus, and he says this, Jesus did many, everybody say many, many other things as well. He's talking about all the things that have been recorded about Jesus. He's done many things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe the Bible is just 2% of everything that Jesus said and did. What if it was less than 1%? 
How many other things did Jesus do? How many other words did he share? How many other healings and people's lives did he touch? In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is what you see. Maybe write some of these down as a bonus. There were 35 recorded miracles Jesus did in the Gospels. 17 bodily cures, six deliverances of people controlled by evil spirits, three people, one, two, three, raised from the dead, and nine miracles over nature. You look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at Acts, this kind of stuff is normal. This is normal Christianity. Where today and here and now, if a miracle happens or if a theopany happens or God shows up with his presence and it's very practical and it's very powerful, we're like, whoa, can you believe that? This was normal. Maybe we need to get back to the original hardwood floors of Christianity and say, maybe I just need to become more normal. I need to get back to how it was. We've drifted too far in our expectation. How many of you really walked into this room and thought, I truly believe that God can restore my marriage? Like you walked in here just believing that. How many of you walked in here with a physical ailment and you really believe that God wants to heal you? And if he did, would you just be, I just can't. Wow. Like I really wasn't expecting that to happen. It happened. You could be happy, but are we fading far, far away from what used to be normal? And now we're here, and it's somehow mechanized and mechanical and predictable, and it's just lights and sound and teaching and music, but no power. The Apostle Paul says, I don't come to you with wise and persuasive words. I don't, try, I don't come to try and impress you with oratory skill, he's saying. I come depending on the power of God to make a difference. And that's what I want us to be. I want us to be a people that hungers for the power of God, the presence of God, where it is a little scary sometimes, or it is a little unpredictable sometimes, or God does something that we don't have on the menu sometimes. And whatever he wants... That's what happens. Is it against the will of God to have a plan? No. God teaches us in the Bible that there should be order. There should be a plan. But if that plan starts to supersede the sovereignty of God, who are we serving? A menu or our maker? Think about this. All of the things that we just read about Jesus. Just remind yourself today. That the same Jesus that did all of this way back then is the same Jesus that lives in you, that has transformed your life, who wants to work a miracle in your life. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Go church, do you believe that? Can we make some noise about that? Can we express some love and some passion, some belief about that? All right, I'm just getting started. We're here at our one big thing. Write this down. We've established framework, foundation, nature, character of God. Now we're going to go into an example of this happening. Write this down. One big thing. My storm may be strong, but Jesus is stronger. 
When I wrote that down in my office, I thought, I like that one. I like that. How many of you have ever experienced a storm in your life? Just hard. Something that's hard. It might be still hard. You got to remind yourself sometimes that, yes, the storm is strong. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not naive. But my Jesus is stronger. God is strong. He's going to get me through this storm. So let's look at this true moment. We are in the book of Mark. Again, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is Mark chapter 4. And this is a true event. Check out what happens. We're going to read the entire thing, and we're going to chat about it. Verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So pause for a minute. Jesus, all day long, had been teaching people, and he had taken a boat and pulled it off of the shore, which is pretty smart. And he was using the water for natural acoustics and teaching what I think is probably hundreds, if not thousands, of people, crowds of people. So he'd been doing that all day, tired, time to get into the boat, and they're going to go to the other side. So Jesus had been teaching. They had been in this boat. Now they're traveling. Verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm. All my high school students say storm. Oh, that was weak. All my high school students say storm. It's still weak. You got to work on them. I'm not done. All my high school students right over here say storm. I'll be praying for you. The storm hits. High waves were breaking into the boat. Waves over the side. It began to fill with water. Not good. Sink. Jesus, (laughs) I find this funny. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. That is deep sleep. That is some deep sleep. And I like how Mark... For all of time, felt like he needed to put this into eternal manuscripts here. His head was on a cushion. He's like, had to really, his head was on a, a down feather pillow. While we were freaking out, Jesus was laying his head down on a nice cushy pillow. The disciples woke him saying, teacher, shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence. Be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Everybody say, calm. The calm. 40, then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Notice he didn't ask first, why did you doubt? He said, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, in verse 41, think about this. Now the disciples were absolutely terrified. They're still kind of figuring out who is this Jesus, this 100% man, 100% God, all at the same time. Now, when you look at moments like this in the Bible, you got to do two things. The first thing is it's good to zoom into the story. You need to understand some of the history. You need to understand some of the cultural implications of the times of the stories that you read about. 
For example, the boat that they were traveling in was not like a carnival cruise boat, okay? This is a small wooden vessel, and these waves were lapping over the side. They're getting nervous. So we zoom in, and we say, you know what? This is a great story. But here's the deal with the Bible. If all you do is look at the Bible and say, there's some great ancient stories in this that should be respected, you miss the point. Yes, it's true. It should. But if that's all it is, it's just a memorable moment worth documenting. How do you see the Bible? Is it living or is it something that's really just in the past that is worthy of reading, but that's it? We should, yes, zoom into the story, the details, the history, the culture, think about what was happening then. But we should also say, what does this mean to me? Why should this make a difference to me? That's the wonderful thing about the Bible, is that the power of the Holy Spirit will help you understand how things written down some 2,000 years ago can apply and change your life today in 2023. It is forever relevant. So we're going to zoom into the story and we're going to zoom out. So work with me today as we push in to see the individual pixels. We pull out to see the big picture. In this story, we're going to see three storms. Write down the first one on your card. The first one we're going to see is the physical storm. The physical storm, I mean actually the thunderstorm. It wasn't a metaphor. The storm actually happened. Now, some interesting things about the Sea of Galilee. I just want you, students in particular, I want you to get a feel for Throw this up on the screen. So let's go big picture, all right? World. We're on a spinning rock in space. Don't be nervous. All right, so Africa. Okay, here's Sea of Galilee that we're going to talk about. So let's zoom in. As you get a little closer, you can see, all right, here's where I'm at. This is a modern-day map, by the way. And you've got Mediterranean Sea, you've got Red Sea, okay, you've got Israel right here, let's zoom in some more. As you get closer, you can see Dead Sea down here, zoom in a little closer, and then here we go, we're right at the Sea of Galilee. So this is a big picture from the earth all the way over here, and we're zoomed in. Now, the interesting part about the Sea of Galilee, it still exists. Sometimes it's just, it's good for your brain. Like to see the things that are in the Bible and be like, oh, yeah, it's still here. I can go there. I can see where Paul went here and went there. And I can see where Jesus walked the earth. And I can see all these things. So Sea of Galilee is right here. Go visit. So the Sea of Galilee, imagine way back in the day, 2,000 years ago, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles north to south. It's about 8 miles at its widest point. Now, the interesting thing about the Sea of Galilee is that it is in what's called the Jordan Valley. So on this side, you've got not quite Rocky Mountain mountains, but you've got some pretty high mountains here and on top. And you've got sea over here. So what would happen is winds would pull in over mountains, and then they would start to compress. So imagine like a funnel funneling down into here. So this is the big funnel, and it's funneling all the way down into the sea. So the winds would get compressed. The dimension would get smaller. And so these winds would hit the Sea of Galilee unpredictable. They're really dangerous body of water to cross. 
So when they were crossing it, you better believe. The disciples were like, oh, here we go. See, he wants to go the other side. All right, man, he just keeps coming. All right, we're going to go the other side. You have to also remember that the disciples, four of them, were professional fishermen. I mean, it's not like this is the first time they've been in a boat. They're pros. Like, have you ever seen Deadliest Catch? Raise your hand if you've ever seen Deadliest Catch on show, on Discovery Channel. It's been on for like 300 years. Those guys never die. They're immortal, the captains. So in Deadliest Catch, man, sometimes you watch it, and I'm surprised when the sea is large or when the waves are angry that captains a lot of the time are just chill. They're like, it's every day. Doesn't matter. Drive into it, boom, doing the sets, doing the job, and it's just rolling. No big deal. Crew on the deck, no big deal. But sometimes weather comes in, and the waves are monster. And they have rogue waves that are totally unpredictable. That's when clear the deck, everybody get under, batten down the hatches, we're stopped work, we're just trying to survive. That's what I think it felt like for the disciples in this moment. We are about to die. Water over the boat. We are going to sink. We're not going to make it. And Jesus is asleep. Now we will probably never find ourselves in the Sea of Galilee on a boat in a storm. Definitely not with Jesus on board with us. Okay, so here's where we have to work hard to say, all right, this is a story that's happening way back then, but how can this apply to my life? Think about this. They were in hard physical times. What are you in if you go to the doctor and you get the report and the report says cancer's back? Is that not a massive storm? When you think everything is fine with your kids, but you discover that they're doing something you had no idea about, and you're like, oh my gosh, storm. When you're trying to open up a second, third location in a business, and everything was rocking and rolling until interest rates go, whoop. And it's like, <laughs> uh, storm, hard. We experience storms in this life. Physical, real storms, finances, sickness, health, Turbulence in family, turbulence with kiddos in our community, just in the world. It could be chaotic, right? Just like the disciples are in a storm, we too can be in a physical storm too. Write this one down. The emotional storm. Okay, now, if you were tracking like a smart person you are, you saw some things happening in this story. So physical storm hits, and then they get what? Scared, right? Physical storm, now they're scared. Apply it to your life. Lost my job, got laid off. It was unexpected. I'm scared a little bit. I thought I was going to land that job for show. Didn't get it. You were the last of the two candidates. They went another direction. Physical storm. You didn't make the team. 
man, you've been practicing, you've been going to the batting cages, you've been working soccer, you've been working goalie, you've been working football, you've been working basketball, volleyball, all the things. You do as hard as you can, you work as hard as you can, and you don't make it. Storm. You feel crushed, man. It's a big goal and dream. Crush, what do you do? Well, like every other human on the planet, you feel, you feel things, and that's all right. It's not bad for them to feel emotions. It's not bad for them to feel scared. But they did. They felt scared. So if you're here today and you've got physical storms happening and you feel things, welcome to being a Christian. Welcome to being a human. It doesn't mean that your faith is small. It doesn't mean that you're less than. It doesn't mean that you're not up to snuff with the Lord. It means that you are a human. We feel things, hard things when things are tough. So the disciples are feeling these emotions, but there are some things we can learn. So go back in the story. Physical storm, disciples feeling scared, and then Jesus asks this question that I probably, if I were one of the disciples, I probably would have been kicked out of the team right here. This would have been my off point. He's like, why are you so afraid? If it were me, it would have been like, Hello, storm, this is why I'm afraid. We are about to die. That's why I'm afraid. You're going to kick me out right there. You feel things. I love my wife, Becky. I love her the most of any human on the planet. Now, Becky and I have been married for 23 years. We have three amazing kids and a dog who is equally Equally amazing. And Becky and I, to this day, we've never fought. I've never told a lie. We've had passionate discussions while throwing things, but we've never had a fight. Sometimes in our house, I will get frustrated with the way Becky asks me to do things sometimes. I'm treading lightly. She's in the front row. She could get to me very quickly. She has a lot of fast twitch muscle fiber. She could jump up here real fast. Becky will do things, and I, and I quote, this is literally what will happen. She'll be like, hey, Nick, can you take out the trash? And I'm telling you, if I am not up, if I am not moving in two-tenths of a second, here's what happens. Never mind, I'll do it myself. So in real life, it's, hey, Nick, we get the trash. Never mind. I'll do it myself. And then I'm starting to get, nope, too late. You missed your opportunity to be a wonderful husband. Never mind. I'll get it myself. And then she's like, pulling the thing so heavy, throws it outside. So I was fooling around on social media, and I found a couple of things that reminded me of this dynamic. Let's check out example number one. I present. You have to read it. This, this reminded me of the dynamic, just making sure she knows. And it, this one kind of also hit me a little bit with the trash. Watch it twice. All right, watch it one more time. Just keeps going and going. He's on 470. He is gone. Husbands, have you ever felt that? Can I see a hand in there? You've ever felt that? You better not raise your hand. You better, you better not. <laughs> it's going to cost you. 
Emotions are normal, and sometimes we feel them. Listen, you could get laid off. Bad things could happen. Unexpected. There's tension in the house. You're fighting about trash. It's so easy to forget that in all levels of life, from the small to the big, Jesus is in our boat. He's in our life. We're going to get through any storm, every storm, not because of how smart we are or how we always read the latest and greatest little articles about how to manage stress in 2023, but because we are students of the Word of God, because we know how to zoom in and how to zoom out, how to connect timeless principles and universal truth to our lives that we see in the Bible. Our lives start to reflect Him, and we start to look more and more like Him. The third thing, write it down. The spiritual storm. So the disciples are in this thunderstorm, literal thunderstorm. They are afraid, which is pretty human. But then they turn, in my mind, a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of snarky attitude, a little bit of tude here. You hear the disciples say this, Out loud, they're like, do you even care about us? We're about to die. Do you see all of this craziness, this chaos? Do you even care if we drown? So what happens? The physical storm leads to an emotional storm, which leads to bad theology. Leads you to think, Well, I was planning on my eighth location, and it didn't work. Hello, do you not care about me? The disciples did this, and Jesus was literally physically in the boat. It is so easy. I've done this. There have been things and times, situations in my life where a physical storm is happening. It was not good. I'm getting mad, and then I'm questioning, does God even care about me? God, I'm over here all trying to be like a pastor. I'm trying to love people. I'm trying to do the right thing. Don't you even care about me? It's so easy to feel that. And it's not evil, but we just can't build a house there and make it a permanent address. Jesus gets up, speaks to his followers first. Why are you afraid? And then Jesus speaks to the storm. Jesus calms the storm on the outside, the waves and the wind, and then Jesus calms the storm on the inside. And the thing that he reminds them, the lesson in this story isn't you'll never have storms. That's not the lesson, students. The lesson is in the middle of every storm, never forget that Jesus is with you. My storms may be strong, but Jesus is stronger. I've got to remember he's in my boat. That's our one big action. Write this down. Our one big action. You've got to take action, move forward, do this. I will remember that Jesus is in my boat. If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, he is in your boat. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. Courage 
is not the absence of trial. It is the willingness to keep moving forward through trials, through challenge, through hardship, through storms. Every leader, every person feels fear at times or they question at times, but you don't build a house and live there. You remind yourself, Jesus is in my boat and this storm is going to end. I want to get through this. I want to give God glory. It's going to be all right. Today, I want you to close your eyes and I want to speak to every Jesus follower, every Christian in this place. I just want you to try to settle your heart and you just feel my voice, God's presence, the word that we've heard today. Jesus is already in your boat. I want you to understand this today. You don't have to wonder about it. If he's in your heart, if he's in your life, he's in your boat. He is not standing on the side of the shore screaming at you 500 feet away. He is in it. He is with you. If it's on your mind, it's on his heart. Everything that you've been feeling, everything that you've been trying to do, every goal that you have, subject it to the will of God. Say, God, first, I want your will in my life. Help me to understand what that is. And God, I ask that you would activate it. Help me to do what I need to do and to pray the prayers that I need to pray and to be the person that you want me to be. But above all, God, I lay my wants, I lay my desires, I lay my ideas down at the foot of the cross every day. And I say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. Christians, that's how we should be. Not where we have this attitude of my prayers are going to boss God around and tell him what to do. But to flip it and say, God, humbly, as a servant, as a child, I want your will to be done. I'm praying for every part of your will that you want to have happen to happen in my life. He is with you today. I want you to just put your hand on your heart. Feel this, just you and the Lord. And just thank Jesus for being in your boat. Just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being in my boat. Thank you for being in my life. I ask that you would bring calm to the storms that need to settle down. Help me to know that I'm safe with you, that you are my protector, that you are my provider. God, if we as Christians, as followers of you, have been putting all of our faith and hope in the metaphorical life jacket. God, help us to be mindful of that. Not to put our hope in the boat, hope in the sail, hope in the life preserver, but to put our hope and our faith in you. Say, God, your will be done. Everybody, just stay right here. Maybe you came into this place and it's your very first time ever in church, I want to tell you, you are in the right place, full of people that love you, full of the presence of God, that is head over heels in love with you. Listen to me. So much so that God proved it. So much so that he sent his one and only son. So much that he proved it with action. And this is the timeless truth of the gospel that God sent his son to be in our boat, be in our life. He came and he lived the perfect life that we could never live. 
He was perfect, without sin, without mistake. And he laid his life down on the cross. And he literally paid our bill of sin and mistakes that we've done. That hurts the heart of God, separates us from his holy presence. And in the laying down of his life, as they peeled him off of that tree, they plunged him into a tomb, guarded one day, two days. On the third day, God resurrected him. He is alive. Jesus is real. He has a plan for your life, and that is for you to know him, to start a relationship with him, to bow your knee today and say, God, I am submitting my life to your lordship. I want your will in my life. And if that's you, online, in this room, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud where you can hear yourself pray it. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.